What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Verzi Effect podcast show. My name is Paul Verzi, and today is, well, it's, I guess, early Wednesday, October 24th, 2018, and you guys are listening to episode 377. Hope you all are well. It is a, what is it? It's uh, it's actually been nice. I like this weather, like it a little cold, a little breezy. There's pumpkins outside, you know, it's a little, you know, it makes you think about apples. Um, not an apple guy. I never was an apple guy, you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of good fruits out there. I also found out that strawberries uh, cause man tits, man boobs. Did you know that? Yes. They had like weird facts about things and they said that as far as man boobs and working out, here are 10 foods that you should uh, like stay away from for so you don't develop man boobs or have fat go to your, you know, chest and strawberries was one of them. So go figure, a delicious strawberry, a big, fresh, you know, not tainted just a perfect big strawberry that you could bite into and it's refreshing and it tastes delicious, will give you man boobs. So there you go. There's a fun fact that you learned. If you learn nothing else from episode 377, you just learned that strawberries cause um, man titties. And you could look that up. You could Google that. That's real. That's uh, That just happened, everybody. That's something that's real. Um, watermelon still, in my mind, is the title holder. If you get a fresh piece of watermelon, it is, <laughs> I mean, a fresh piece of watermelon is ridiculous. Um, oranges without seeds are great. I'm a grape guy, both red and green. We've spoke about this. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if you want to stay in shape, you got to stay away from the strawberries. Um, a lot of awesome stuff to talk about today. Not just fruit and not just man titties. No. Um, we are going to talk about... Me being so wrong with the New York football giants, having that season come to an end Monday night, which was painful. I'll, t- I'll uh, tell you about that night. Uh, watching the game, me and Giannis at a cigar lounge. Uh, so we're going to talk about the Giants and now they're cleaning house. We're going to talk about that. We are going to talk today about Making a Murderer Season 2. Okay, it came out four days ago. I don't know if you people are watching, if you're interested in it or what, but I will tell you this. Um, I think it's one of the most fascinating things I've watched. This lawyer is insane. We are going to talk about that on the show. Okay, I will give you my unacceptable. Some of you guys actually wrote back to me and uh, wrote back to me on The Only Child. So we're going to actually go back and talk about some of The Only uh, Child. I think there might be a couple of unacceptables, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, um, you know, I'll read unacceptables like as they come in. I'm just going to, for a little while, not make it as big as part of the show. Like if something comes in, please keep sending them in. Send them in to unacceptables for TVE at Gmail for sure, and I will definitely read them. But, um you know, for now, I'm just going to kind of go back to when I first started The Unacceptables, where we pick a few and keep the show, keep the show moving. Uh, okay, so Unacceptables, always going to be a part of TVE. Um, thank you. I have new subscribers for the Patreon. I am going to be at the All Things Comedy Festival in Phoenix. 
and there's going to be a ton of comedians out there. So if any of the comedians you like are on there and you want me to interview them and you want to hear something cool about them, send that to me and I will do that on the Patreon. Um, thank you for the new subscribers. $3 a month, you get more stuff, you get more content, you got, you know, picture, all kinds of things that I, I don't put on here that you guys wouldn't see on here. So thank you so much for that. Trying to uh, to build that up as well. Um, so yeah, a lot of great stuff to talk about. We're going to talk about that stuff. We're going to talk about radio hosts. That's what we're going to talk about too. We're talking about radio hosts. Okay, because I was over at Sirius. There's something I want to talk about with that. Uh, and everything. So there you go. It's a full packed TVE 377. I hope you're in the car relaxing. I hope you got a long drive right now. You're going somewhere. That's three, four hours. And you know what? You want to kill some time. You throw old uh, TVE on there. Good old TVE 377 will get you through those flatlands, through those mountains, through those trees, through that rainstorm, everybody. Oh, you could tell I'm in a weird mood, but I'm in a good weird mood. You know, two cups of coffee. You know, I had a little omelet. Wasn't thrilled with the omelet, not going to lie. Too many olives. I had a Greek omelet. Too many olives. Can't go too many olives with an omelet. You know, when it comes to olives in, in eggs or something like that, it just needs to complement. It's almost like anchovies with pizza. Okay, if you ever have anchovy on pizza, it's actually delicious. However, if it's loaded with anchovies, it takes away from the pizza. But if you get like one or two anchovies on a slice, and then, then all of a sudden now you're talking. Now you're in business because you get the pizza with a little bit of the taste of it. You're like, oh, this is the shit. That's my theory on anchovies on pizza. I feel like anchovies on pizza get a bad rap because people make it overbearing. You can't do that. You know, you can't do that. If you give a taste, a hint, then all of a sudden that's what gets people going, oh, that was delicious. You know, you got to do it like a drug dealer. You got to keep them coming back. Can't have four or five anchovies on one slice of pizza. Dominates it. Too salty. Too much. All right, um, so anyway, what the hell, how did I get to the anchovies on the pizza, uh, oh, the olives, yeah, the olives on the, on the omelet, all right, guys, um, I did not, let's, let's talk about, let me just get through the, um, the sponsor here, Capper Network, I have my Capper Network opened right here, and here is my percentage, my winning percentage on Capper Network, I didn't do too many picks last week. My winning percentage on Capper Network was um, 40, is 44.44. So I'm right around 45%, around almost 45%. I'm 28.31. I'm sorry, I'm 28.35 and 1. Okay? I am, I, am, I am 164th in the rank out of my 78 picks. Okay? However, I'm going to make a prediction on my predictions, I think I just did all my picks for this upcoming week. And I think all of the picks that I just made for this upcoming week, I think are going to put me over the 50% mark. Okay, I'm saying that. I think so. I could be wrong and I'll be back here going, yeah, I'm at 39%. I stink. I might do that. I was wrong about the Giants, but I don't think so. For you people that want to know what Capper Network is, you better sign up for this amazingly free fucking website which is one of the only and the best prediction websites, okay? It will generate all your picks like it did with me. It told me that I was 28, 31, and 1, and that I suck, and I'm ranked 164. It told me that I have a 44% winning percentage. Here's what it is. You go to Capper Network, you sign up for free, you get a profile, you make your predictions. So all your dude I called at moments, guess what? They're here. They're locked, okay? Pick it. 
prove it, profit. Profit how, Paul? Here's how. You crush it, you go up on the leaderboard, people buy advice from you. That's right, you make money off your advice. Or you're a novice, you're new, okay? You're just getting into fantasy and sports. You want to see how you would fare at this betting thing and handicapping thing. You go there, see where you fit. Or you watch the people on the leaderboard and you make money off of their picks because they're crushing it and you're not. So there's amazing ways to do this. It's a lot of fun. Competition with friends, shit talking, bragging rights. You can make some money either watching the leaderboard. You can make some money by uh, people paying for your advice when you make the leaderboard. You can um, draft a fantasy team of handicappers on here called a capping team and uh, make money that way. You can get the best handicappers and you can make money that way. It's completely free, guys. It's 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 literally free. You have nothing to lose. Um, you have money to gain, bragging rights to gain. Please check out CapperNetwork.com. It is amazing. Also, All Things Comedy. The All Things Comedy Festival starting tomorrow, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That's right. Phoenix, Arizona. I will be there tomorrow. Dean Del Rey, me, Joe Bartnick, all co-headlining the Tempe Improv, doing a little tour uh, next year called the All Things Comedy Tour, which will be us three. Uh, you know, just in select cities, certain times of the year, and we're going to kick it off at the festival tomorrow night at the Tempe Improv, so come out to that. I'll be doing a live Verzi Effect podcast Friday at uh, 12.30. I will have a, probably a special guest because there's going to be so many comedians out there, so I'll let you guys know about that. And uh, there you go. So uh, please check them out. And guys, what can I say? November 2nd. Um, by the way, I want to thank all you guys for the kind words on Facebook. Uh, the billboard in Times Square was literally overwhelming to me. Um, it took me, took me off guard. It blew me away a little bit. Uh, giant billboard in Times Square with my huge head and face holding a microphone. And it says, you know, Bill Burr, uh, Bill Burr presents Paul Verzi. I'll say this. And it's, uh, Bill is just representing all things comedy there. But it's just an amazing thing to see your name in huge font on a giant billboard in Times Square. Huge picture of yourself uh, next to pre pretty much where the ball drops on top of the Viacom building is amazing. Um, I'll get into that story. But uh, check out All Things Comedy for their podcasts, their uh, albums, their uh, video content. They're having, they're getting more shows on there and stuff like that. So talk shows and cooking shows and travel shows and, and more stuff to come. And I might have a special announcement about that in the future. We're working on something. I will let you guys know about that. So follow them at All Things Comedy. Check them out. And if you are in the Arizona area, so many comedians are going to be out there. Uh, so please uh, check it out. Uh, check it out this uh, next four days in Phoenix and Tempe. Okay. So, yeah, I'm going to get into radio hosts. I'm going to just talk about that. Okay, because it's, it's like, it's a, it's a pretty amazing thing how it's so effortless and seamless with some people. All right. So, anyway, I am, um, I go down, I was going to the uh, Ron Bennington show, who I think is, I think it's, I think it's Ron Bennington and Howard Stern are like, I mean, I honestly think Ron Bennington is that good, but we'll talk about it in a second. So I'm going to downtown. Uh, I'm going to park and I go into a garage and I'm by like, you know, 47th, 48th, 49th Street around the Times Square area. And then you walk like a block or two. And I was going to the Sirius building, the, the 1221 um, Avenue of America's huge building. It's, you know, it's, all, uh, it's got like NBC Universals in there. It's got, you know, Sirius XM. It's, you know, Howard Stern and, and every radio. Basically, it's headquarters for Sirius XM radio. So if you have that in your car, like this is where the shows are basically recorded from. And I'm going to Bennington. And I had known that Comedy Central was going to put a billboard up. 
But, you know, I'm just walking through. I didn't know what day. I knew week of. I didn't know how big it was going to be. I didn't know how it was going to look, you know. And I'm just walking and I look and I don't see anything. And I looked up and I see all these billboards. I don't see anything with me. I'm like, ah, maybe another day, whatever. Maybe I'm missing it. Maybe it's small. And then I just keep walking across the street and I kind of gave up on it. And then all of a sudden it just popped up as this huge digital board where like different ads come up and I see like Call of Duty. They got like the new Call of Duty game and this giant thing. And then all of a sudden I'm just going and as I'm about to like cross the street and not see it anymore, it just says Paul Verzi, I'll say this, Comedy Central November 2nd and it's huge and it really... It really, in that moment, made me just totally fucking think of all the shitty gigs that I did and everything. And I didn't get emotional or anything, but I did get like, wow, man. Like, if you just constantly want to get better, constantly work hard and stuff, like good shit will happen. And um, just to see that, man, just for that little time was amazing. So, um, but getting to radio hosts, okay. Here's the thing. What makes a great radio host? What makes somebody good at what they do and, and, and make them keep the listener into it? You know, you're driving in the car right now, you know, and it's hard. It's hard to, you know, with, with fucking podcasts and shit. You're just sitting there you're like, ah, dude, you know, I could feel it too. I mean, I've done, I've done 377 episodes now, th- this one included. And I know right into it, I'm like, all right, these people are interested in the show right now. I can tell because I'm interested in what I'm saying. It's like when you're doing stand-up, right? And you're on stage and a comedian knows exactly what I'm talking about. If they're listening to this, you know when you're just in the joke and you're having fun. But sometimes if you're not, for whatever reason, if somebody's pissing you off or something, the crowd senses it. I feel the same thing with radio. If you're talking about interesting shit and if you're into it, I think the people through the fucking sound waves are, are with you. You know, and they're listening. And I go to Ron Bennington. If you guys don't know Ron Bennington, he used to do a show called Ron and Fez, which I believe came on after Opie and Anthony. Um, You know, he's got a a very unique voice. Irish guy. He's been doing it for a long time. He was doing it in uh, Florida, I think, for a while. One of the most seamless, unbelievable fucking radio hosts. You walk in there. He's like, hey, what's going on, man? And then all of a sudden, he's just like talking in the mic to you. And you don't realize like you're on the air in a show and you're in your mind, you're like having this normal fucking conversation, which is amazing and incredible. And you're just having a great time with the guy. And then next thing you know, he's like, oh, well, Paul Verzi's in studio. We'll be right back. And you're like, wait a minute. That was, and he just is so warm and welcoming, but he can take you to a place you didn't even know you were going to go. Now, I know whatever they say, Howard Stern, king of media. I never did Stern. Uh, I never met Stern. I saw him at the building one time walking out. He was, he was hugging Al Roker of all place, of all things. It was a weird thing. But you see all these people in there. And um, I know how good he is. And I know that he's very honest with his questions. And he could take you down the road. I got to tell you something. Ron Bennington is one of the best I've ever seen. He's right there with anybody. And I think it's just because what makes a good radio, that's why I can't stand, I've said this before, my wife feels the same way. I I probably, I'm not even trying to be funny here. I know it's going to sound funny. I'm not trying to be funny here. The one thing that I cannot stand, I could count on one hand things that drive me fucking wild, like crazy. And one of them, which makes me cringe, just crawl out of my skin. I can't fucking stand when the regular radio, you know, when the Z100 or the fucking, you know, the major, whatever city you're in right now, you know, the major top 40 station, you know, the Ryan Seacrest, iHeartRadio shit. I cannot stand when I'm driving and they're like, 
Hey, you want tickets? What are you, so what are you going to do? Who are you bringing? Oh, man, you're not going to bring your mom? Dude, she raised you, man. What's up with that? Like, they try to be funny, and it's the dumbest shit. It's fucking mindless. And then they laugh at themselves like they're this cool, and then they, they play a song. It is... I mean, I mean, obviously, I know they're not trying to be a talk show host, and I know their job is to just make it entertaining in between songs, but it's so fucking bad that I get angry. You know, like, come on, man, what are you, what are you drinking at the club? Oh, you know, you know, vodka's where it's, uh, like, it's just, I'm, and, and, and that's even better than the shit they say, what I'm saying. I mean, they say some dumb, you know, there's going to be one of you throwing up, who's going to be the one to, ha, 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 and they, it's just, it's the worst. It's actually the worst thing that I've ever that I've ever felt or seen in the, when I'm in a car. Uh, so you really can't count it. But bad radio stinks. All right, I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm I'm going to. I was on a radio station down in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, doing the morning show to plug my shows. And it was so fucking bad. There was a woman on there and the people were nice. So I don't want to shit on people. The hosts were nice. And I'm obviously not going to mention names and stuff like that. Because if I ever saw them. But like there'd be a woman and they'd be like, all right, so we're going to guess your bra size. And I remember doing it. And I'm just thinking like this is such hacky, bad fucking radio. And it was just stupid. Even morning talk shows. It's just fucking bad. Um, and, and they really need to do something. And that's exactly why I think podcasts and radio shows and all kinds of shit like that, or, or people's own podcast talk shows are doing better. But what makes a great radio host? It makes, you know, you fill the time in with just interesting shit, but you make your guests feel comfortable and nobody does it better than fucking Ron Bennington. You have to listen to him. Do yourself a favor and just listen to this guy, have a guest on and talk. And the flow of it is incredible. And everybody feels it when they go in there. And it's really, an, it's an amazing art form. People take it for granted. Filling time is is really hard to do and keep it interesting all the time and talk about shit people want to listen to and have a guest that's interesting. And, you know, sometimes that's why people like start fighting or argue just for the sake of the show, which is stupid. But when it's real, it's awesome. And that's what that guy is. So shout out to Ron Bennington and the Bennington Show on Sirius, uh, Sirius XM Radio. Uh, one of the best people, and here's the thing, his stand-up is awesome. The guy does stand-up. I went to the cellar, the guy was crushing. Um, but yeah, there's a reason why Howard Stern and Ron Bennington and certain people are just good at what they do. And when you listen to how they flow and talk and it's natural and it's not for the... I think when you start to make it like, I'm going to say this to get people going, it's the same thing as comedy. People see through shit. If you go up there and you're like, and then I pulled my dick out and everybody went nuts. And it's like, all right, this is like, you know, it's just over the top, trying too hard. I think the same thing with radio and these guys just know how to do it. Um, so last week I was talking about only children, only child, being an only child. And I, I kind of was like, you know, write in if you have, if, if I'm right, if you think I'm right, if you think I'm wrong. Uh, so that's what happened. And here we go. I'm going to talk to you guys about that. I'm going to read what some people wrote and, uh, you know, they're going to share the thoughts. Uh, so here we go. I, I, my point, just so if you, if you didn't listen last week, my point was, uh, it's not always their fault, but I've just noticed in my experience through my friends and people that I knew growing up, only children, their parents either spoil them so much that they just don't even know better. And they think it's all about them a little selfish, a little self-involved, 
Um, and just kind of, some of them are like dickheads, you know, and I didn't think that that was the case, but I also said, I think it's up to the parents to try to let them know that even though they're the only one there, that the attention is going on, that it's not all about them in the world. So this is what, uh, Justin wrote, uh, only child was a thing. And Justin writes me, Hey, uh, Hey there, Paul. First off, I saw you open for birth, the garden in Boston. You were hilarious. I was hoping you'd be there opening for him. And you didn't disappoint. I'm looking forward to seeing you live sometime soon. Uh, thank you so much, Justin. That was one of my favorite shows and favorite nights in comedy uh, just to be in that environment. That was awesome. Okay. I wanted to write in for what you were talking about last week on the podcast about being an only child. I agree with you that how an only child turns out seems to be heavily influenced by their parents. There are two people in my life uh, who are only uh, an only child. And... Uh, um, they are on opposite sides of the spectrum now. One of them is my cousin. Her parents spoil her and let her run the house her entire childhood. Now she's 22 and horribly bitchy and materialistic. The other is my girlfriend. Her parents treated her well, but taught her to work for everything she has. She's always paid for all her own stuff. She doesn't obsess uh, over superficial shit and she's probably the hardest worker I know. I think I'm able to see the difference between them because my siblings and I sort of grew up in the middle. My parents did well and we always had a comfortable life but they taught us to work hard uh, and live productively so we don't uh, get used to relying on them for anything. It sounds like that's exactly how you feel about your own kids. I also think it's hard for an only child because they don't have other siblings to set an example for them. When your sibling uh, does something good or bad, you follow their example and learn what you should or shouldn't be doing. That's absolutely true. Without that guide, you're sort of in your own little world and it's up to your parents to raise you the right way. Uh, just wanted to share my thoughts with you. Love the podcast as always. Yeah, thank you, Justin. Thank you for the thank you for the input on it. I'm glad you wrote in about it because that brings up a good point. It's like, yeah, this guy's a dickhead. Okay, this guy's a dickhead. Okay, or this or this woman sucks. She's an asshole. Okay, and here's the reason why: because all of their life, it's been about them. Who's gonna take? Like, who's gonna do whatever with them? Where they're gonna go? How they're gonna, you know, enjoy their time? Where we're taking them to eat? What movie we're taking them to? Oh well, he or she needs this when they go to the movies. That's what they love. Think about it. You don't have a brother or a sister to go. No, we're gonna share this. And well, I don't like this one. Well, you're gonna deal with it because I like it. And mom and dad said we can only get one candy each. And blah blah blah. And there's a compromise there, right? But when you're an only child, it's, no, well, he or she gets this every time. They're going to want this. Now you grow up into the real world, and guess what? You're used to that shit. So now you're in a relationship, and you're kind of an asshole. And it's not your fault. So it's up to the parent. You know, I had a friend in high school. He was an only child. And, you know, his parents worshipped the ground he walked on. He was the, you know, the end-all, be-all, which I kind of get because that's all they know. And, they, you know, and some of these, and here's the other thing. Some of these kids are like miracle babies to their parents, you know, couldn't have a kid for a while, miscarriage, you know, God forbid, all these things happen. And then all of a sudden, you know, she gets pregnant. It's this amazing thing. Oh my God, we didn't think this would ever happen to us. Our miracle baby. Well, guess what? You're going to be treated like that. You're going to be treated like royalty. You're going to be. So it really is up to the parents. You know, I just feel that there's always, um, 
a heavy opinionated, they're very heavily heavily opinionated a little more. I mean, listen, let's be honest. There are people with, with siblings that suck. I mean, there are people with siblings that are, you know, just think it's about them and suck. Sometimes the youngest after a, a lot of, sometimes the youngest after a lot of kids, you know, or sometimes maybe the oldest because every, like, you know, all the attention was on him and then he becomes an asshole and gets bitter because of the, so th- there's definitely, but I'm, I'm just saying that that's what I, that's what I feel with only child. I have another one here. Um, here we go. This one is from Sam, uh, only children. Sam says, hey, Paul, uh, you were so right about only children. I am the oldest of three, but my cousin is an only child, uh, and the boy uh, is, he, uh, and boy, is he fucked up. I'm talking sleeping in his parents' bed until his teens kind of fucked up. In fact, I've often thought that he and his mom, my aunt, have banged. Yes, we are in Alabama, but my family is, <laughs> but my family uh, is upper middle class, uh, and not all backwoods. Now he's 25, still lives at home, will never leave home because my aunt and uncle will never make him. The sad twist is that he's uh, come out to my wife uh, and me as gay, while my aunt still thinks uh, that he's going to give her grandchildren. He can't come out to his own parents because he's afraid of how upset they're going to be when they find out uh, they will not have grandchildren. Uh, it all could have been prevented if my aunt would have just uh, popped out one or two more. Have a good day. Yeah, I mean, listen. Um, I don't know about the last statement, Sam. I don't know if having another one would have changed, like, the guy's, uh, you know, sexual orientation. Um, but... I think that, yeah, letting the kids, you know, it's your only child staying in bed with you, keeping them in the house and doing that and the sheltering and the coddling and stuff like that, you know, that that could definitely end bad too. Um, And the other thing, I just don't understand. I I know some people, I'm not trying to, and this is the other thing, like you guys know by listening, if you listen to my podcast, nothing that I ever say socially is, is a political side. Which is the best. My dog keeps fucking crying and it's driving me nuts. Okay, hold on one second. You guys won't feel a thing. Alright, he's crying. Then I open the door. He doesn't want to fucking go outside, you know? Um, such a weirdo, Lloyd. Anyway, yeah, I don't understand these parents that like, you know, I literally listened to a comedian read something that was written to them saying like, I told my parents I was gay and they said if I'm gay, like they're going to disown me and stuff. And it's just like, what, what, like... In what world are you living in where the, your child, the, the, your child, the person that needs you the most, the person that loves you the most, the person that you're supposed to love the most, you're going to disown them because, you know, they're, they're, because of their sexual orientation. It's just, to me, that's just so fucking backwards. And it has nothing to do with politics. I, I, you know, if you have children now and you love them and you know what I'm talking about, if you turn your back on them because they came and told you that, it's fucking brutal. Um, but yeah, the only child thing. Thank you guys so much for the, uh, you know, the submissions. And, uh, yeah, you know, I like to do that. I want to do that more in the podcast too. Like when I say something like whether you guys agree or disagree, like to, to talk. But, and again, I know that some of you are listening to this and maybe you're an only child and you're awesome. Or maybe you're an only child and you realize, yeah, I'm a dickhead sometimes because I'm, I'm just, it, it, you know, 
it's almost like you can't blame them because how could it, how could it, if it's if if it's only been about you you got to have a fucking awesome parent to sit you down and go listen there's other people like that like their opinions matter okay and you fucking stink no i'm just kidding but you know what i mean um i think there was an unacceptable somewhere that i have to find um Yes, there was. I know there was. And they sent it to a weird place. They didn't send it to the normal place. Guys, send your unacceptables to unacceptables for TVE at Gmail. It's not fucking hard. Please, I get these things and then I got to search all over the fucking place for them. It's not that hard. Just send the fucking thing to... Is there a private messaging on Instagram? Is that where this thing was? I don't even fucking know. Because um, I want... We, I mean, there's definitely part of the show I got to talk about making a murderer or two. Okay? Uh, because, you know, it's, it, season two right now is fucking nuts. Uh, okay, so I'm just going to... I found a couple... I found... I'm going to do uh, two unacceptables from the same person. Uh, Clint. Um, I think Clint sent them to the wrong email, but I got them. So please, uh, yeah, so you guys send them to unacceptables for TV at Gmail. Um, so I'm going to read these, and then we will get into making uh, making a murderer. Anyway, um, so here we go. Clint says, uh, hey, Paul, I was in the grocery store, and I witnessed something that I hate. Accounting parent. <laughs> the little kid was screaming and throwing products off the shelves and losing his shit. And the mother goes, one, two, three. And then it didn't do anything except say his name again and then count it again. One, two, three, three, three. And then yelled three. And again, did nothing to even try to stop her kid from losing his mind. It's one of the most infuriating things to watch. Counting parents is the first unacceptable of this email. My second is brunch. Fuck brunch. Sincerely fuck brunch. It's always the same kind of person that has brunch. And that's the other thing. You can't just have brunch. You have to do brunch. It's always some asshole named Tad and his idiot wife named Giselle looking for an excuse to, to look down their noses at other people as they drink alcohol with breakfast and pat themselves on the back for eating eggs at 11.30 in the morning. Brunch is unacceptable. Clint. Clint's fired up. Uh, addressing the first one. Counting is so hilarious because it's such a fake scare tactic that any smart kid knows it's bullshit. Um, we used to count, but it would be like, get upstairs. And then by the time we got to three, you better be on the way upstairs. But if my, first of all, my kids would never be throwing products off the shelves. If my kids were throwing products off the shelves, um, I could assure you after they did that once, that would never, ever, ever fucking happen again. Um, so yes, the, the fake discipline and all that I get. As far as brunch, um, you know, I hear what you're saying. Like, like some people are like pretentious about it, but a good brunch like if you go out there and you go, you know, it is expensive and shit. I know what you're saying, but a good brunch is kind of fucking dope too, though. You know, let's, you know, you get some fucking eggs, Benny, and some mimosas and you get hammered in the morning. I mean, vacation brunch, 
um, being in a different place brunch. But yeah, like I'm not an all the time brunch, but an occasional brunch is good. You know, the the stand in New York, they had uh, peanut butter and jelly French toast for brunch. I mean, some of the shit will knock your dick off, but uh, I hear what you're saying. Thank you for the submission. And moving forward, guys, yes, yeah, submit to unacceptables for TVE at gmail.com. Um, and again, anything we talk about it, but let's get into I, I want feedback from and we'll talk about it. Let's get into making a murderer too. Okay. Now, I want to start off by saying this. You have to know when you watch these things that there's always a bias there, okay? After season one, I was absolutely convinced that the two people that got convicted of this did it. Um, Now, I'm not saying that they didn't do it, but I don't think I can say after what I've seen, especially, and I'm going to get into that, that 100% unequivocally, undeniably. I don't think that I don't think that that was fair, and I'm going to tell you the reasons why I don't think that's fair. Now, a part of me still thinks yes. However, he hired this lawyer, who uh, I mean, I'm not going to lie, she's out of a fucking movie character. If you guys are not watching this, um, her name is Kathleen Zellner, and she looks like somebody said Cruella Deville. Somebody said, I mean, if this chick is so fucking thorough and gangster, I never seen anything like it. She's incredibly impressive. Okay, like her or not, believe her or not, the questions she raises and the things she does and the holes that she poked in 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 the defense, um, you know, of of Stephen Avery is ridiculous. But I mean, this is a type of, I mean, if you're married to this, if you're watching this show, you know, like this is not a chick you could be married to. I mean, she would school you on every fucking argument. You would just have to throw your hands up. I mean, she's one where the man's definitely dying first. He's going to fucking be willing to, he's going to be like, he's going to try will himself to die first. Cause I mean, she would just fucking, you know, something as simple as like showing up late or like fucking up dinner plans. She would just fucking put you on the stand. I mean, she is fucking nuts in a good way. So the first season, you know, focused on all the, all the shit that happened and, you know, you thought that, um, you thought that, yeah, they might have did lie and do some shady shit to convict him. However, uh, there's a couple of things that happen now. So for you people that don't know, he hired this, if you didn't watch it yet, he hired uh, this uh, unbelievable lawyer that I just talked about named uh, Kathleen Zellner. She basically got 17 innocent people off. Uh, she got him exonerated. 17 people were going to go to jail for life or whatever. She got them off. She worked with the innocence thing and I think at the beginning, she ended up getting a serial killer off that killed many people. And she had to talk to the families. And she said after that, she never, ever wanted to represent the, you know, killer, like like be a defense attorney again. She wanted to try to just help innocent people or something like that. And that's why she's got this job. And But she's so good and so impressive. When you watch it, you will see that. Uh, the questions that she raises. Um, but, you know... Listen, this one is different. This one you see a lot more of the the family struggling. You see like the 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 the, the aftermath of those two, Brendan Dassey and Stephen Avery going to jail. You kind of see the aftermath, so it does move a little slow. But then her and her team recreate all of the, you know, all of the scenarios and everything like that. And uh, I mean, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to anybody in that county or from that area. But, you know, some of these fucking people, first of all, they say, yeah, 
after the yeah is like we were talking about it last night. My wife is watching it. Like every time they're talking on the phone, yeah, do you say yeah, yeah, yeah? Like they say yeah with the question mark. Then they say yeah for yeah. Then they say yeah if bad news comes. Then they say yeah if good news comes. Um, it's just sad to see a broken town like that, and it's sad to see uh, like the county is like good people in that county got that county got hurt from this. Um, and, and I love, you guys know how I feel about Wisconsin and Milwaukee. I'm shooting my second special in Milwaukee. I think it's some of the nicest special people out there. I really do. Um, but some of this shit, man, some of these people are fucked up, man. Like, you know, but anyway, that's, that's neither here nor there. You know, I mean, it's, the people are like, are broke and just seeing it is like, you know, it's, it's, it's nuts, but I want to get to the case, you know? Because um, there's fucked up places everywhere. Like, you ever go to Florida? You see people all fucked up and everything like that. But this, like, I think that this murder this of this woman, Teresa Halbach, rest her soul. And, uh, and, and hopefully her family, you know, all this stuff. But here's one thing. Here's a question I got, okay? And I know people are trying to debunk this. But here's something what you can't debunk. Okay, here's something that that is what it is when you're watching this. And this might be a spoiler alert. By the way, episode 9 of season 2 blew me the fuck, oh, blew my dick off. I don't know why, I don't know why I say that, but it's the only thing that like satisfies the feeling of what I'm trying to relay here. It just I was sitting there going like, "What? This is fucking nuts." Okay? She redoes the blood in the car. They 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 redo the thing saying if you put a woman's uh, bloody hair in the back of a car. It would never have made those things, so they recreate it. She gets her own experts. But here's a problem, too. His defense, okay, tried to do the best that they could. They didn't even have a blood spatter expert. Think about that for a second. They didn't have a blood spatter expert. That's how fucking ridiculously, and she even says, she goes, that's, that's, that's ridiculous. Like, that's like a, that's crazy. I have a buddy I went to high school with. His brother was the head blood spatter expert in New York. He's the one that uh, caught the serial killer or helped catch the serial killer in Poughkeepsie, New York, who had eight dead hookers in his in his attic. Uh, he is, I mean, the governor of New York at the time, Pataki, George Pataki, was like, anything you need, you know, anything you need, just fucking, you know, you need, what do you need, helicopters, vans, whatever you need. Like, I mean, this guy had access to that. He was the best, and it's such a big part of it. And what this woman said made some sense. Okay, but blood is, you know, but but here here's here's the other thing. Okay. The cop, that fucking lying cop, who found out that Stephen Avery was in jail wrongfully with the first rape in 85, and the DNA proved it, right? Um, and again, I want to make it very clear. I don't know who did this, but the mishandlings and the things that I saw in this second season cannot be denied. So you that, that's all I'm saying. Because I was unequivocally thought after season one. But what this woman did and how good this woman is. First of all, she's so good that she's like, look, you don't hire me if you did it. Because I'm going to find out if you fucking did it. Like, I'm, I'm, if you did it, I'm going to, you, you would never fucking hire me. Then they did that whole brainwave thing and the guy looking at his brain, he just said everything. And he's like, I know you didn't do it. You didn't do it to, to him, right? But I still have questions with that. You don't you don't know if that's real, right? Fine. Then they're saying um, the burn body victims say a body does not just burn into ash like that in a pit. It can't. 
It can't. There's vertebrae and everything. One fire is not going to do it. And then they prove that even if you put gasoline and gasoline and gasoline on it, it's just there's still parts of the body and, and bones that that are you – know, so then their, their thing was it could have been a burn barrel from far away and brought there, okay? But there's more telling shit here. Uh, for me, it was the dog. She traced where the dogs went first. Okay, and when the, the fucking dogs that they hired, the, the dogs, they didn't hire them. It's fucking hilarious. It was a fucking interview process. <laughs> so what makes you qualified to sniff this out? Roar, roar, roar. You know, like, you know what I mean? The fucking dogs that they brought, not the dogs they hired. They, they bring the dogs and the dogs go running far away from the property where she was first found. And they start circling this area. Okay, which was proven to have her truck at it, like uh, during the shooting of this thing. Okay, during the filming of this, some dude called up this thing, this this um this this lawyer, and said, "Look, something's been bothering me for a long time, and I just want to tell you, I know you're the new lawyer on the case, and it's been bothering me. I want to get it off my chest." He said, "Um, I was driving to the deli, and I was driving down this road." And I saw the RAV4 off the color and everything off of the side of the road, like pointed like towards in the woods. And I thought it was odd. And I go to a deli and I see the missing girl, Teresa Halbeck, and a picture of the car. And there was a cop in the deli. And I actually said, hey, I just saw this car over there. And the cop went over there and like didn't put it in the report that that happened. That's the same cop, that Colburn guy, that um, got a phone call saying, yes, Somebody said that they raped a woman in that county and somebody else is in jail for it and he didn't make the report. And then they show on the stand him saying he didn't report the license plate, but then they have a phone call that he did or and, and something written that he did. So that's lying right there under oath, that same guy, and then finding that. And and that's where the dogs were, where they first saw the car, where, the, where the, that one. That raises a question to me. And that lie is a lie. That can't be fabric. Like, debunking, he li- that guy lied. They're, 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 they, they, they have proof in the documentary that that guy lied, and that's the same guy that didn't say that, okay? that that's just That's just one thing, okay? The other thing is... The other thing that 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 I, I just read, which is kind of like, man, it's it's just hard to. I guess ultimately, too, nobody's ever. I don't think as much as you want to say, and and I know that people in that 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 area, as much as you want to say, you know, one hundred percent. I don't think it's fair to say that people know exactly one hundred percent how it happened and how it went down. She also proved in the thing there was no bone fragments on the bullet that they said went through her head. There was no bone fragments. It was just wood. And she ba- and they and they basically show that there was wax on the fucking bullet, and then they showed in the piece they they showed on this um, alpha or a piece of paper or whatever the things that you could get the DNA from, and one was chapstick, and they think that that was the chapstick which was the wax on it, but there was no bone fragments on something that went through that what they're saying went in one part of the skull and out the other, zero bone fragments on it, which an expert said can't happen. Um. So I'm sitting there and I'm watching this thing and I'm just going, okay, but somebody made an amazing point. And check this out. This is pretty fucking heavy too. If you're going to be, if a woman, and again, I don't fucking know. So I'm just watching this shit like you guys. I know I'm sitting here talking like I'm a fucking DA. I don't know. I, or or I'm, I'm a fucking, I'm a fuck, I'm a comedian. 
Okay, I'm just going by shit that I read away from the doc and the shit that I read on the doc. I don't care if this podcast goes long. I'm talking about this shit because this shit is, if you're not watching Making a Murderer 2, you don't fucking like great entertainment. You don't like stories, whether you believe it or not. You could think it's all bullshit, but at least watching it is fuck. It, it you know, it's better than fucking, the, you know, the next Hulk movie they're going to make in my mind. I'd rather see some shit like this because ultimately you want to f- make sure that the right people are either in jail or you ultimately want to find out the people that did it, right? So um, I love how I'm fucking becoming a lawyer as I'm doing this podcast. Like I'm just going to imagine I was just like, yeah, you know, I'm going <laughs> to go to law school because I'm making a murder. I'm going to do comedy and become law. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, but 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 facts are facts, right? So... My neighbor Susan's convinced that they didn't do it. She's convinced. She's fucking convinced. She's a, actually a great person, logical, down to She's convinced. She stopped over yesterday. We we're talking about it. I'm not convinced, but for a rape to take place in the bedroom and a neck, a throat to be sliced, which Brendan Dassey said, okay, they say when a crime is committed and a murder is committed by people that never did it before, there's at least 20 mistakes that are made. A hair is left there. Fucking blood is left there. Something. Semen. Something. Bodily fluids. Something. They found nothing in the bedroom that indicated that anybody, that anything happened there. They found no blood in the garage where they said she was shot. Nothing. So here's a question. And this is something that 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 I, I I just heard. If there's so you mean to tell me that these two guys made did what they did in a bedroom and meticulously cleaned up every piece of DNA without one hair or one anything like that. Everything. There's no blood, there's nothing. Somebody's throat gets slashed. You know how much blood somebody's throat gets slashed. Okay? And all of that stuff took place in there. And there's no signs of it at all. So they're meticulous in the bedroom. There's no blood in the garage. Nothing like that. Yet they're just going to throw sticks and twigs over a car. So they're going to be meticulous about the DNA. But they're just going to put a car in the junkyard with sticks and something over it like that. That's something else that, that raised a question. Also, one of, the, one of the brothers, I didn't know, there was like dead women porn. Uh... You know, women drowned, women rotting, women killed in the porn, sexual stuff with women dead in the hard drive. I mean, that's got to at least be looked at a little bit. Um, another thing I'm noticing in this one, like she picked apart everything. There were flakes of blood on the floor of the thing, flakes of blood. And they said that he was bleeding in the sink because his finger was cut. And then when he went home, cops were there or whatever. And then he went to the bathroom and the blood was gone. So then she reenacted how it could dry and they could have scraped it. Very interesting shit. Again, I'm not saying that they don't have the right people. And I know, I know, I read a lot of different things. I'm not saying that that's, that these they're good people. You know, I also read something that Stephen Avery fucking shot a dog that was barking. Just killed a fucking animal. Was there, told the dog to shut up. The dog didn't shut up and he just shot and killed the dog on his property. There's also things of him being violent. There's also things online of, of sexual shit. Like, they're, they're, I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying that the questions that this woman raises is beyond debunking. That's all I'm saying. That's why I like this one because the bullet, like, they did a test with the bullet through the garage. They did a, they, they, and they had experts, the, the, you know, the best people on those things looking at it. But think about that. His defense didn't have a blood spatter expert. Uh, for the back of the truck that they, they didn't have that like how like how is that even fucking possible you know so uh i think it's fascinating shit but then in this shit she paints a picture of who did it 
She's talking about who did it. Other family members on the property that had trailers where the car and the dogs first were. And then she does a time frame of how they brought the car back and how they planted the shit. And then how the bones, there wouldn't be just like bones the way that it was. So things had to be cut up and stuff. And they proved that the bones were cut up. So it's, um, look, again, you never want to talk because ultimately it's about the woman's family and her, her peace. And may she rest in peace, you know, um, for everything. You know, she's even from the pictures, you see this, you know, pretty young woman who just was going, doing her job, and it's fucking horrible, and, and you feel for it. But um, I don't know, man. I don't know. There, I, I, I feel like more people on them in that, in that area know, and I feel like other people were involved, or maybe some people knew, and, you know, like maybe, maybe... What about, could it be that the people in jail know but didn't actually do it? So like the wrong people or, or like, you know what I mean? Like is there is there more? Does everybody know but nobody's trying to point the finger because it's family and friends? I don't fucking know. But I will tell you this. Making a murderer too, you, it's impossible, impossible to watch that and not at least go... Wow, that's she's got a she definitely has a point with the bullet, the burning expert, the blood spatter in the car. Okay, um, you know, no bone fragments on a bullet that went through the head, um, and you know certain things that I didn't realize a fire can and can't do, and a time frame and a time frame of everything that happened. Um, so that's the one thing that makes me. So I'll say this: after Murderer One, I was like, he did it. There's no doubt in my fucking mind he did it. Um, now there's doubt. I have doubt that I have doubt that it was done like the, the way that they're saying it and stuff like that. Um, you know, so it, it's, it's really, it just raises questions and stuff, but I think that anybody, because I, and this woman has no, I know people are saying, oh, this woman just, you know, she wasn't involved. She wanted to get involved with the making a murderer because she, you know, she wouldn't, like when you talk, when you listen to her talk and stuff like that. And, and this guy said, he's like, if, if he pleaded, he would not plead. She says 100% unequivocally, she knows for a fact that he's innocent and, and she would never represent somebody that wasn't. And she wanted to find out if, you know, she's even going after his family going, look, like if, if they did it, like if the, that's where the evidence goes, like she's going to go where she, she thinks did it you know, where she thinks it went, um, but, and here's another question I ask, and this has nothing to do with making a murderer, this has to do with people in general, right, if you didn't do something, right, if you did, like he said, I would rot in jail, he said, I'm gonna rot in jail and die here before I ever made a plea to get out, get out early, because I didn't do it, okay, um, I just, would you fight this hard, I think out of the guys, the guy's been, the guy's like 56 or 57 years old. And out of that time, he's been in jail 31 years. He's been in jail 31 years of his life. Think about that. Okay, so half of his life, more than half of his life, he's pretty much been in jail. It's pretty much what he knows. And he's willing to keep fighting and keep going and doing this. And, and, and all, you know, I just don't know if I did something, if, if I would be that way. Like, think about it. If you did it, if you fucking are the person responsible for doing that shit, are you going to be that fucking, you know, unless this dude is the greatest actor and just a fucking psychopath, but I mean, the effort and the energy and all these things going on and how it's tearing other people up, I just don't fucking know about that. You know, 
And if you are a psychopath, your first thing is your preservation and sociopath and for you. So you would just cop a deal and say guilty to get out early, right? If you are fucked up and you did do it and you're like, fuck it. Yeah, I did it. I'll do this time and I'll get out. But to say that I'll die here before I admit to it because I didn't do it, that raises a question for me too. And she talks about that. But she paints a picture of how another person followed her and she killed her off of their property and brought it there. And it's just, you know, it just keeps going back to that, that, that they were going to have to give him $36 million and they hated him and they didn't think he was a good guy and they wanted to pin it on him. And maybe he's not a good guy. Um, but I, I, like I said, it just, shit just raises questions, um, raises questions to me. And as, as I have no dog in the fight of obviously, why do I care? You know, I was the one saying forever that they, they did it. Like, if anything, I look like a fucking, I was talking shit. I mean, I was at the stand, and you guys know me. When I'm adamant about something, I was talking shit at the stand. I'm like, fuck you, you're all crazy. They definitely did it. But now when I'm listening to experts say what fire, can do, what bullets and this and that, DNA, then finding out that the, the, the defense didn't even have a blood spatter expert, the defense, you know, didn't have the resources and like didn't have the proper things, didn't get the right people on the stand or didn't just certain things like that. And you're like, man, this is all fucked up. This woman should have been the lawyer. This woman should have been the fucking lawyer because I'll tell you this, whether they did do it or not, if this woman was the lawyer with the shit they're presenting and the evidence and all that, he would have never got convicted that much. I mean, that much I know. And that fucking Ken Kratz guy, I don't give a fuck what anybody says. That guy's a piece of shit. You can't tell me that that guy is not a shady piece of shit writing a book and then going on every fucking show. You want to say these other people are trying to get famous? Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy, dude. That guy is as fucking snaky as they come. I don't know why this turned into a crime podcast, guys. I'm sorry. I'm just so into this shit. I didn't even get to the Giants yet. I didn't even get to the other parts. But, I mean, you know... I don't know if I would just constantly, and like the thing about Steve Avery is, this is the other thing about him, you know, and again, I don't think he's a good, I think he's got violent issues, I think the guy's a little fucked up, I mean, listen, and I'm not, I, I mean this with all due respect, you can't look at that family and not go, oh, there's definitely issues here. You know, it's definitely, you know, I mean, let's be honest, none of these, these people aren't fucking nuclear physicists, we're not dealing with rocket scientists over here, Okay. Um, you know, listen, I'm not saying I'm the smartest guy in the world, but these people, they don't, you could tell they're not educated, you know, and, 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 you know, they, they, most of his education and learning came from being incarcerated, all that. But, um, he wants every test. He wanted the brain test. Like the thing where like the memory, they could tell he wanted, so it's basically like he took this test that scanned his brain when he was saying something about memory and stuff that they say is beyond a lie detector test. He wanted it. He welcomed it. He wanted, he wants to do every test. He wants to do all the DNA tests. He wants to do all that. He, he does want to do that. So I'm just saying like, it, it, doesn't one logically, you know, taking yourself out of it, doesn't one logically have to at least raise that question of like, why would you, because if you know you did it and you just go, all right, I'm going to do, I'm going to take a, a, a the, the, the polygraph test, the best and beyond polygraph test that's out now in 2018. And I want my lawyer to set that up. And yes, I'm willing to do it. And then you do it. You know, though, if there's a good chance, if, if you did it and there's a good chance that's going to be found, your lawyer that you hired is going to find that shit out and go, look, man, you failed this and we have to fucking reevaluate this and we have to reevaluate working together. He's volunteering for it. 
His story hasn't changed from everything that I'm seeing. So it's like I have to, I have to listen, as much as I was adamant the first time, I have no choice because this woman is so good. Her questions are so good. Her experts are tops. And she raises questions with everything. But not only does she raise the questions with this shit, she redid the blood. She redid the bullet. She she did she had the dog. She checked where the dogs were coming. She was following where the dog scent was first. It's the same place the guy that was driving to the deli said he saw the car and then told the cop and then the cop moved the fucking car. So so she proved a timeline. Then she also proved that cell phone towers say that Teresa Halbach left the property. She she left the fucking property. After the time that she was supposedly there and people saw her, that she left because a ping from the fucking thing came and she was out. And then that's the last time. And then a phone call and then that's the last time where the car was. So I'm fascinated with this shit. I'm sitting down. I'm saying goodnight to my wife and kids and I'm just fucking, I'm so pissed there's not 20 episodes. And, and I don't know. And then this shit almost went to the Supreme Court, the one court, the Seventh Circuit Court for the Brendan Dassey thing. Um... You know, and that's the other thing, like, you know, that confession, there's some things that I felt like he said, and this is a confusing thing, there's some things that he said that, um, you're like, man, how, how would he know that? But then again, he also said, this is what's so interesting about it, that kid, it all comes down to that kid. Isn't that amazing? This whole thing came down to a kid who might be autistic or whatever he is. I don't know what he is, but that 16-year-old kid being called in there and talking to those cops without anybody there for three hours, this all comes down to that. And uh, that's what the, that's the craziest thing. And, I, you know, I don't mean to make light of something, but I do find it hilarious how he was just like, all right, dude, can I get back to class? <laughs> like, you can't say you raped somebody and be like, all right, dude, I got to get back to class. Um, he didn't know. I've talked to uh, talked to somebody today that says that they're... Their wife deals with people's like behavior. That's their thing. And and said like that he absolutely was, you know, was making stuff up. But then I'm like, well, he said some things though. He said some things that were like, you know, a little bit like, how did you know? So the whole thing is fascinating. But if you're not watching it, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, it is slower. It does kind of show how the family slowed down and how his parents are getting older and basically dying. You know, health-wise and, and, and everything like that. You just kind of see how the family, people that had nothing to do with it or, you know, see their loved ones there and, and all that stuff. But um, I will tell you this. it's pro- if, if the guy didn't do it, if the guy didn't do it, it's one of the saddest, tragic stories in, I guess, in, in, in American justice, as far as American justice goes, right? I mean, think about that. The guy got convicted and went to jail for a decade, what, nine, ten years for a, for a crime that he did not commit and it got proved that he didn't through DNA. Then he gets out. The county owes him $36 million and then something is planted on his yard or that, you know, you know, to make him guilty or whatever. And, and I always thought even after season one, the key was definitely planted. I just thought that they were being scumbag cops because they knew he did it and they were like, fuck this guy. This guy's a piece of shit. Whatever we got to do to get him in there. But she's raising a question, and it shows maybe the guy is a piece of shit. Maybe he's not the greatest guy. Maybe he's not the smartest guy. Maybe he's a violent guy. Maybe all that. But this, this, and this had to, had to be talked about in court and wasn't. And she also shows people lying on the stand. That's the other thing. There are witnesses who commit, who, 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 who fabricated the truth on the stand, which she shows. And she finds out a lot of shit that she put together this whole file. So I don't know, man. 
And it, it really is funny how you become like, you know, I'm sitting here talking like this, but I'm just watching this show going like, I mean, if you're not interested now after the shit that I'm saying, I, I don't know what to tell you. You know, I'm like, fuck Monday Night Football. I'm watching. I got, I don't give a shit what anybody says. If you watch Making a Murderer 1, if you're not into episode 6 through 10 of Making a Murderer 2, I don't fucking know how to entertain you. I wouldn't know how to entertain you. If you're if you're not locked into this shit. And she comes out like if they make a... I'm not going to lie. She comes out like... She's like the Grim Reaper of lawyers. But like... On a, I mean, her fucking... Her, she, got, she talks weird. Her fucking hair. She's a character. She looks like... Tim Dillon put a picture of her and the Crypt Keeper up. And I don't think that's fair. But I get it. Does that make sense? <laughs> she's just like a fucking... She's like this fucking... Like, if she could play an evil witch, but the thing is, she's kind of cool, and she's so good at her job. She's just like, well, we got the dogs, but we got to go back and do the blood and get the bullet, and then we're going to go talk to this one, and then we're going to go talk to that one, and she just doesn't stop. Um, And now I'm reading stuff about, like, the, you know, the state fighting it, like, I mean, you would think I live in the county, how fucking into this shit I am. Imagine I just took like two weeks from doing stand-up and I just went to the county and I just like went undercover as a local and I just tried to fucking like befriend people to get like I took it that far where I was just I just fucking went off the grid and went undercover. They're like in further news comedian Paul Verzi goes off the grid he goes to Mattawa County and uh, found out he got a confession at a diner. Now this shit is so fucking I'm so into this. Um. And I'm like pissed at my wife because she's like only halfway done season one. And I'm like, can you catch up? And she basically looks at me like, yeah, I don't work nights like you and just have nothing to do during the day before my kids get home from school. Um, so I'm going to continue to read and I'm going to try. I'm going to now I'm going to do all the debunk stuff because I want to. I, I don't know how you could debunk the bullet having no bone fragments, though, or I don't know how you could debunk um, certain things that she proved that just were not were not true. Because some of the shit that she said in the thing would just break down the entire case. Uh, and she feels that, like, the whole fucking team was in on it. Like, she feels like that they, you know, so now I want to find out from the other side, because I like to do that. I don't want to just be like, oh, yes, in the first one he did it, and this one he didn't do it. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying I want to I wanna now... You know, I found out that somebody, re, you know, debunked each episode. But I want to, please tell me how you debunk episode 9. Because episode 9, there's no debunking of that. I mean, I'm going to look at it, but uh, show me how you debunk episode 9. You know. And uh, and it's just amazing that, like, I feel bad because, like, his defense team, like the two guys, which is basically, like, uh... Well, yeah, I mean, if she could do more, that's great. We thought we did everything we could. And it's like, dude, people thought they did a good job. Guy's defense was fucking terrible compared to the shit that she said. Like, if she had the case, it would be fucking, it would be laughed at. Whether he did it or not, that's how good she was with, with the shit, with the question she raised. I almost want to commit a crime to hire her. Just be like, you know, I almost, I almost, I almost, I have to see, like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. This is the best lawyer I've ever seen. They got to make a movie about her. Um, oh, shit. We're over an hour. I just keep talking about this. I'm sorry, guys. Whatever. Whatever. This is just going to be a long one. If you don't like it, you don't like it. I'm sorry. I don't, I'm, uh, whatever. All right. 
Um, the New York Giants, everybody. The New York Giants lost Monday night. I went to a cigar lounge. Me and Giannis were going to watch the first quarter. And I'm going, look, mathematically, I'm one of those. You know, down to the left. Hopes. I'm like, look, we could run off. I was at the deli that morning. We could run off five in a row. Okay, the most wins is the Redskins. They're four and two. They're not that good. The Cowboys only have three wins. They stink. The Eagles stink. Our division stinks. We peel off like three or four of these in a row. We're in it. It starts tonight in Atlanta. I loved the Giants. The Giants were in the red zone twice, had opportunities to win, couldn't get it done. They sacked Matt Ryan all these times. Long story short, they lost a fucking heartbreaker again to go 1-6. and six. I'm wrong for the second year in a row with all this talent. I admit it. And today, they are cleaning fucking house. Eli Apple, gone. Good. To the Saints. That's the guy Landon Collins was saying was a cancer. But then, we got rid of Damon Snacks Harrison, who's a great, great run stopper in the middle. He's off to the Lions. Um, I think the Giants said, look, we're not going to sit through this anymore. You know, it's like, look, we, we didn't know. Now it's time to rip the Band-Aid off and just go. We're not going to keep trying to... We're not going to watch a team that we think could have won. And look, they look at it like this. Eli Manning threw for over 400 yards in Week 15. Uh, his his completion percentage this year is some of the tops he's had all year. Uh, he's got no line. And he's not mobile. The combination of that, it just didn't work. They got Nate Solder. They got fucking Will Hernandez. They got a line they thought would help him. The line is not doing its job. And he's old and and looking old. And and he's getting punch drunk. And he's getting happy feet. Because the line has let him down the last two years. So he's getting shit in his pants every time. It's time now. So they're like, look, you know what? Fuck it. Let's not watch a 1-6 team and hope... We know it's over this year. Let's get everybody the fuck out of here. Okay? We're going to build. We're going to get a new quarterback. We're going to get all these draft picks from these trades. We're going to build up the O-line and the defense. And we're going to have a new quarterback, Saquon Barkley and Odell, and hopefully do it that way. That's what the Giants are doing today. And uh, what can I say, man? It's pretty... It's... it's it's like sad, but at the same time, it's like, okay, it's time. Like they thought that they were going to have one more run and the offensive line's not good for it. And Eli's uh, not going to be young enough to do it. So Eli can't do a rebuild. Eli can't wait another year or two and his legs just can't do it. So here we go. I'm saying it on 377, everybody. This is, this is going to hurt. Eli Manning. Uh, as the head, you know, as the, oh man, this is tough. Eli Manning, as the quarterback of the New York Giants, is is pretty much done. And he's done because for his, whatever, last two years when he was 35 and 36 or 36 and 37, he had talent and he could have maybe done another run, but his offensive line didn't allow him to. And now he's so he's getting punched on. He's getting hit too much. He's going down all the time. He's getting sacked. He's running for his life, and he can't do it anymore. So there you go. As, as hard as it is for me to say... Thank you, Eli Manning. Two Super Bowls, two fucking uh, parades in this city. You know, he he did that, man. And that's something that's amazing. And I thought with all this talent, we could go on one more. The O-line's not good enough for it. And at least it's just taking him too long. I mean, Eli can't run two feet. I mean, you know, the fact that I'm faster than Eli Manning and he's the head 
quarterback of an NFL team, and I am faster than Eli Manning. It's not even close. I mean, let's let's not get crazy here. I'm faster than Eli Manning. I bet you half my listeners are faster than Eli Manning. You know, I'm sure some of you big fat bastards too listening to this can fucking out hustle Eli Manning. You know, Tom Brady's not really mobile. He runs like he's got shit in his pants. But you know what? When he does, you know, he's got so much room because he has an offensive line. He's always had an offensive line. So my New York Giants are done for a while. I can accept it. Uh, I'm going to accept. I'm conceding. This is my concession. You know, when, when somebody loses in the politics, there you go. It's over. He's going to take his two rings. He's going to take his two MVPs. He's going to go to the Hall of Fame. He's going to be a legendary giant forever. He better not end up as like the backup on the Titans holding a clipboard. I don't think he'll do that, but you just can't do that. I don't want to see him go to the Jaguars and be the starter there and then have that end bad. You can't put it, you know, I don't want to see Eli Manning as Patrick Ewing in a Seattle Supersonics, you know, Christmas colors. I, I just don't want to see that. It's over. When it's over, it's fucking over. Just go out. Say, you know what? We didn't have the line. Things didn't go. I love being a giant. That's it. But that's, you know. Or maybe he gets defiant and he doesn't. He's got a no trade clause. So maybe he doesn't and he just stays there and it gets ugly. I don't fucking know. If they trade Landon Collins, I'll be devastated. And I think I've learned something. Everybody listening to this, you have the team you love more than anything else. Right? You have your mistress teams, but then you have your your wife team. Wait, that sounds awful. And I hope my wife doesn't hear that because I don't have mistresses. You guys know what I mean. Tried to make an example, stupid example. You have your... Imagine I did the same example. You have your girlfriends, and then you have the people you really love. No, you know what I mean. You know, I have the Yankees, I have the Knicks, I have the Giants. But I don't know what it is. I just get hyped, really hyped, when the Giants... I mean, the Knicks, it's so far away from me that, like, I, I can't even imagine. So the Knicks get me crazy hyped. But it's not like... I just realized how much of a Giants fan I was Monday night. Like how much I love that team. I love my New York football Giants. I love when they're good. I love when they're in sync. I love when they're beat. And I'm looking and I'm taking for granted how amazing it was those years going into, uh, you know, Green Bay when they're 15-1 and and winning, going into Dallas and winning, going into these hostile environments and just winning and then going to the Super Bowl, beating the Patriots. Like that shit that was just so ridiculous that I wish I could just revel in that a little more. You know, I drank like a bottle of Dewar's the second time they won. I almost fucking died. I almost went to the hospital. I literally drank a bottle of Dewar's to the head. And then my wife heard me throwing up at 4 o'clock in the morning and I woke up fully clothed. That's how happy I got during that game. But now looking back, I would have not wanted to do that. I would just want to take it in sober. Um, anyway, so I can't believe how long I'm going here. And I know, making a murder or two, that was the... And here's what I want, okay? This is what I want. I'm asking you, and I'm not really going to talk about this shit on the Patreon. The Patreon will be more of like, you know, private uh, interviews and shit. Write me. If you think you know shit or like you read shit or you have an opinion on it, I mean, don't write me a book, but if you're into making a murderer one and two 
and you anything, write to me. Let me know if you know, hey, hit this link. Re- check this out. Read this. This happened. Here's the thing about the lawyer. Here's the thing about the bullet. I want to know. Because I hate saying, and if you noticed, I've never said once during this, I think that I said I have doubts though. Because that cop's a piece of shit. I think, I don't care what anybody says, dude. That cop, I mean, you could look at somebody, that cop is a fucking, I mean, I thought he was a piece of shit in the first one. This one, it's just, I'm looking at him like, this guy knew the car was there and didn't report it. And then the car ended up, somebody said, like, how could that be denied? Somebody said her truck was not on the property. And he saw it off somewhere else. And then it was not there again. Think about that for a second. Like, can somebody explain that shit to me? You know, so let me know. Send that. Also send that to Unacceptables for TVE. Uh, guys, I will be at the Tempe, Arizona Improv tomorrow night. Not talking on stage about, uh, what's it called? Making a murderer. Um, but I will be at the Tempe, Arizona Improv Tomorrow night um, with Dean Del Rey and Joe Bartnick. We are all three of us. We're all co-headlining. I don't know. We're doing 20, 25 minutes each for the festival. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to be out there doing other stuff. Be doing a live podcast from the podcast studio there. Anybody in the Arizona, in Phoenix, anybody can come sit down, be in a live studio audience. I'm doing, I'm the first one of the day, 1230, uh, 1230, a little afternoon uh, on Friday. The 26th of October, I'll be doing TVE live from the podcast studio. So come check that out. Then I'll be doing another show at night and then boom, right back to New York on Saturday the 27th where I will be at the Comedy Cellar. So for all other dates and all that stuff, guys, you could check out paulverzi.com. If you're in New York City, go check out the billboard and... um, yeah, you'll see a giant billboard in Times Square by the Viacom. Uh, you may have to wait a couple of ads, but then there there it is. You know, the shaved head in the face holding the microphone. Paul Verzi. Bill Burr presents Paul Verzi. I'll say this. You could see that. Hopefully you check it out past a, a bus sign or whatever. Uh, thank you guys for everybody that wrote in to the show today. And, um, you know, I love you guys. I appreciate everything you guys did because, uh, you know, all of the support, man, helped me get to where I'm at. We're going to take it further. Please get me on Patreon. Another $3 a month is not going to hurt you, okay? I appreciate some of you people hit me up going, hey, man, I had to stop. I couldn't do the $3 a month anymore. Fine, you know? Fine, if I'm not worth a cup of coffee, I don't need you. No, it's, that's that's totally fine, but uh, there's going to be some really cool stuff. I'm going to have a ton of comedians out there in um, Phoenix, and we're gonna I'm going to be getting some people on the Patreon, uh, some quick videos and some pictures and all that shit you guys will be able to get. So you could do that as well. Uh, I am predicting that my Capper Network predictions are going to be the shit. Okay? So check that out and, uh, you know, support all things comedy and all that stuff, guys. If you haven't checked out Ron Bennington, he is one of the best. Please check that out, too. And um, the Giants and Nick stink right now. So that's it. That's all I got. I didn't even expect to do an hour and 15 minutes. I feel like the show's just getting started right now, you know? I feel like the show's just getting started right now. Like, I don't want to stop talking. Um... But I gotta leave. I gotta leave it because I gotta get my kids. I got shit to do. I'll probably go get something to eat. No. Um. All right. This is it. There's ten seconds till it's an hour and fifteen minutes. So let's get there. I'll do the countdown. Four, three, 
two, one. You guys are the shit. This has been TVE 377. Until the next one, I am out of here. Oh, shout out to... Oh, man, it was Jacqueline, I think, was the girlfriend, and I forgot the guy's name. There was a uh, thank you to everybody that came out to Springfield, New Jersey, uh, when I was at the Comedy Cove over the weekend, and there was a Redskins scout in the crowd. And the funniest part about it was he goes, uh, the comic before me goes, does anybody here have a cool job? And nobody said anything, you know. And then finally he raised his hand. He goes, I got one. And he goes, I'm a, I work for the Washington Redskins. So when I was on stage, I go, you know, the funniest part about that is you sized the room up and you're like, fuck these people. They're in Springfield, New Jersey. There's no way that somebody's got a better job than this. And they loved it because it was, it was true. This guy's a scout for the Washington Redskins. And we just had an amazing talk and they were great. So uh, shout out to you guys, man. I hope you guys listen to the podcast. And um, they were awesome. Awesome couple. Awesome people. And, uh, and I found out that I have a distant cousin. Had a distant, no, have a distant cousin who is 80 years old. So I guess he's a distant cousin of my aunt and father. He's 80 years old. He lives in Florida. He was a Washington Redskin for 10 years. His mother was a Verzi. He was a Washington Redskin for 10 years, two-time Pro Bowler, I believe 1962, 1963. Uh, his name was Vincent uh, Promoto or uh, Promuto. Vincent Promuto. Vincent Promuto. Mother was a Verzi. Played for the Redskins for 10 years, pro bowler, in the ring of fame over there. So there you go. I might be only 5'8", but I got good genes, bitch. My son's going to crush it. All right, I'm going to tell you guys one last story. I told it on the Bennington Show, and I'm going to tell you guys this now. I know this was not so comedy heavy, but this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it up to you with this one, okay? Uh... I don't think I told this on... The, no, I did not tell this on this podcast. I told it on Ron Bennington. So if you heard it there or whatever, I'm sorry. But if you didn't hear it, buckle up. This is a great story to end the podcast on. My son was being really cranky. Like me, like all Verzies, um, if we don't get our sleep, it's just... We're very laid back and calm, but if we don't get our sleep, we're a little bit more of dicks. A little more, you know... And I know a lot of people are like that, but with us, it's it's prominent. It's You could fucking tell, right? Some people, you know those people that could go like two hours and not sleep, and they're like, yeah, I'm fine, I'm playing golf, and I'm going to dinner tonight, and it's like, what, what are you, a vampire? Like, um, So he was just being rude to his sister, me and him are playing basketball, uh, and he was just on her the whole day, like, why would you do that? Why would you do this? And I'm like, stop it, leave your sister alone, okay? You're being rude, there's no reason for that. So I gave her one of those little basketballs. You know, like the mini basketballs? They're like college basketballs, like a Kansas Jayhawks ball. And I go, go over there, sweetie, and play with it and dribble. And, you know, me and Lucas were kind of playing one-on-one. Uh, just like make it, take it, you know, lightly and stuff. And, you know, he's getting really good with his handle, and he's starting to really get good. But he was just being mean. So her ball rolls off and disrupt, uh, disrupts us, and he picks the ball up, and he goes, God, Sophia, stop it. And I go, hand her the ball back. And he's just holding it, looking at me. I go, hand her the ball back and she puts her hands out to get it and I go hand her the ball back and instead of handing it he bounced it hard at her it hit her under the nose and the mouth and she starts crying and she puts her hands over her face and I look at him and I go what are you doing I told you 
to stop this and this and that. I go, you know what? Now I'm going to destroy you. Give me the ball. Give me the ball. Now I'm going to destroy you in this game. And he just like checks the ball hard at me. And I go, let's go. You want to be rude to your sister? Watch. So I back him down, take him to the hole, right? You know, lay up quick. Give it back quick, you know? Score on him. Give it back. Then I pop a J, hit it. Nothing but net. Give it back. I swear to you people, I start dribbling again. And my son just shoots under my arm. And I control it for a second and get it low. And then he legit steals it from me. Okay? Legit. Like, actually, like, you know, I'm dribbling the ball and he fa- he got under. And he, I was going to go behind my back. And the way he did it and his height, he legit stole the basketball from me. I did not let him at all. I was pissed. So I get in front of him on defense. And he acts like he's going to run to the hoop. He stops. He pulls up like a 10-footer, drains it, nothing but net. And he's all red in the face. And he looks me in the face and he just goes, let's fucking go. And I was like, what? He literally looked me in the face. And it was the first father-son kind of. He goes, let's fucking go. And it was kind of the first, all right, old man. It's me and you. We had that first one. Okay, he's nine. I'm 39. And he just goes, let's fucking go. And I go, what? I go, go sit on the wall right now for five minutes. You don't talk to your father. I go, did you just curse? I go, did you just say the F word? And he was all like red in the face and stuff. And I'm not going to lie. After he was sitting down, I turned around. And in my mind, I'm going, that was so fucking dope. That was the coolest shit I have ever, like, I was proud. As a father, I can't let him say, let's fucking go to me. I can't let him curse like that. I can't let him do that. But to see that fight in him and that spirit in him was seriously one of the greatest. It was just like, he just had that, like, you think you're going to come at me like that and destroy me? Let's fucking go. It was nuts. So um, he sat there for five minutes and then we played again. And uh, it was one of those weird moments where I didn't know how to parent because it was so fucking cool. But I can't allow my son to say that shit to my face. So anyway, there you go, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. Put a little, put a little, you know. It's a little nightcap for the podcast, a little, you know, a little sipper. Um, thank you, guys. I'm out of here until uh, 338. I'll talk to you guys soon. Please support Capper Network and sign up for free and make your sports predictions for free and earn money and check out all things comedy. I'm out of here. Take care.